Good to be with all of you today. My name is Craig Brown. I'm one of the pastors here at First Free. It's a great day to be together in worship, whether you're worshiping with us live here in the sanctuary or online, or maybe worshiping at a different time during the week. We're glad that you're with us today. Today, the 12th of November, is a very special day. 29 years ago at 4.30 this afternoon, I got married to my wife, Bettina. So it's our anniversary today. She's in kids' camp, but rumor has it she stalks the worship service from kids' camp. So she may be watching, so happy anniversary. We're starting a new series today called Safety Measures. And I have to tell you, for the next three weeks, this is going to be tough. It's hard, because we're going to be talking about boundaries and how we hold boundaries. One of the narratives that flows through the Christian faith is the idea that we're to live lives of sacrificial love and grace for others. And that's true. We are. We're called by Jesus to live in a sacrificial way in this world, embodying his infinite love and grace. Yet at the same time, if we fall into a position of doing that without any regard for ourselves or our own well-being, we will find ourselves coming to a point of being burned out, exhausted, spent. And we wanted to pause for three weeks to talk about what limits are there on that or boundaries are there for our lives. And in case you're wondering if there are boundaries for that, there are. And we're going to look to how Jesus embodied some of those boundaries in just four different areas very quickly. So I want you to follow along with me. This is going to be a speed read through the Gospels. Are you ready? So let's talk about the first boundary that existed within Jesus' life. It doesn't mean that these are the only four, but here's just four of them. One of them you can find in John chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. It says, After these things Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths was near, so his brothers said to him, and these are his biological brothers, move on from here and go into Judea so that your disciples may see the works which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself is striving to be known publicly. If you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. So Jesus said to them, my time is not yet here, but your time is always ready. One of Jesus' boundaries in his life and ministry was that of time, and time in two ways. Not only how much time, but also when is the time. And so what we find in our lives is that we find ourselves pulled with our time in a variety of directions. And I know there's a number of you here today who are retired Does that stop when you're retired? No, the pull on time and the prioritization of time. How much time and when is the time are questions we're asking all our lives. And Jesus is telling his brothers who are kind of interrogating him, he's saying, now's not the time. Now's not the time. So Jesus knew how to defend his boundaries around the amount of time and the timing of things very well. Let's go on to Luke chapter 5, verse 12 to 16. 
Luke writes this, while he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And he reached out with his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. He ordered him to tell no one, saying, but go show yourself to the priest, make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. But the news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Jesus would slip away to the wilderness. I love the way Luke describes it in his gospel. So there's a sense in which Jesus gathers people around, he's engaged in ministry, and to be honest, the work that he's doing in his preaching and healing ministry, he could have simply done that work infinitely in that way in that modality but instead jesus would sneak off sometimes to have moments in prayer so there's an awareness on jesus's part that there's so much he can give and that there needs to be time for him to reset and renew and to be in fellowship with the father in prayer and so jesus not only has a boundary about his time he also has a boundary about his energy He has a boundary about his energy. And he lives this balance of prayer and quiet with God and then back in ministry with people as he's moving around. Even in his own death and crucifixion, Jesus spends the night before that great act in prayer in the garden. He always knows how to find this balance to hold his energy well. We could turn to Matthew 26, verses 6 to 13. It says that when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very expensive perfume. She poured it on his head as he was reclining at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this and said, Why this waste? For this perfume could have been sold for a high price, the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? For she has done a good deed for me. For you always have the poor with you but you do not always have me. For when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told in memory of her. Somehow Jesus is able to communicate at this very moving scene, not too long uh, before his death and crucifixion, that money has a peculiar value. That money can't always be equated or used in one sort of way. That there's times in which, yeah, there's money for the poor. There's times at which money is rendered in devotion to God. In the cycle we were just talking about over the last four weeks, this cycle of gratitude and generosity and how that flows from one to the other. Jesus knows how to use money well. You remember in this story that I just read that there was, if you read the other gospel version of this story, it tells you who the disciple is that was objecting to the cost of the oil. You remember who he is? Judas Iscariot is the one who's claiming that that money could have been used for something else. Jesus knows how to put good boundaries on money as well. But I think lastly and most importantly, we turn to Mark 10.45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is clear in his commitment that he did not come to be served, but rather to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. This is the 
the heart of Jesus' very ministry. This is his mission, his purpose. This is a, his definition of the very purpose he elaborated on when he first came to Nazareth and read from the scroll of Isaiah how the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. This is what that looks like. There are boundaries, and Jesus is clear, that I have come to serve, not to be served. That's a boundary of commitment about his life and his vision and what he will do by dying for the sins of the world so that we might experience eternal and abundant life in him. Jesus had boundaries. So if Jesus has boundaries, why do we think we don't need them? Why do we think that our boundaries don't matter? This last week, we met with our staff on Tuesday for our staff meeting, and I read one of these texts to them about Jesus sneaking off to go pray. And I was explaining to the staff how important it is for us to think about the amount of energy we have to give to our work. And what that means is that one of the naughty habits of our staff is that they work when they're not supposed to be working. And so I basically told them in so many words, stop it. When you're not working, you're not working. Because if you don't have that time to reset and to renew and to rest and to get your mind and your heart focused on the Lord and what you're doing by renewing yourself, when you are working, you're useless. You're tired, you're burned out, whatever it might be. So there's some important lessons for us to learn here about how we do this work of holding our boundaries well. So I would suggest this, know your edges. Know your edges. What's the edge of what you have in terms of boundaries? In this text that we heard read from Matthew chapter 5, people um, were uh, in, a, in the time that Jesus said this, uh, were in the practice of making all these sort of vows. So when they would make statements, they would make a vow along a certain hierarchy. So if I were to say, um, I'm going to cook my wife a delicious dinner for our anniversary, and I vow by heaven to do so, That's like the highest order of vow. But if I were to say, I'm going to make my wife a delicious dinner for our anniversary, and I vow by my head that I'll do so, that's a lesser vow and more likely to be breakable. And so when vows were first prescribed in Jewish law, back in the book of Numbers and in Leviticus, They were designed to be ways you would enhance or strengthen your statement, almost like saying, I promise to do this versus I'm going to do it. In the time of Jesus, these vows had become corrupted in a way that people would oftentimes vow by lesser things so that they would be able to break their vows and not lose face. It was a way of disguising what their boundaries were of what they really were going to do and what they really were not going to do because they didn't want anyone to really know that. So they would basically lie. And that's why this is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking about how sometimes we can employ a law that seems to be good, but actually, it, like everything else, can be used to deceive, to lie, to cover up, to keep people from knowing who we really are. So this is not what Jesus is suggesting in this text when he gets to the end of the passage of Matthew 5. He doesn't, where he says, uh, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He's not encouraging us to be rude or unkind, but what he is encouraging us to do to be clear. So let's talk about some takeaways from the life of Jesus and even that little passage of Scripture. There's four of them, very quickly. The first one is this. 
Know the limits of your resources. Know the limits of your resources. And by resources, at least for the sake of what we looked at in Jesus' life, that includes your time, your energy, your money, and your commitments. Those four things. Know what the limits of those are. The second thing, we see Jesus do this as well. Define what your boundaries are. And by defining your boundaries, we're talking about time for rest, time for vital relationship, time for work, time to do all the different things that happen in our life. But define what those boundaries are. Because if they're left undefined, guess what happens? And we get kind of eaten alive. The third thing, define the lines of work, play, and rest. This is difficult to do. So when you're working, you're working. When you're playing, you're not working. When you're resting, you're not playing. Define what those spaces look like and how you hold those spaces. Jesus knew how to hold all of those spaces, how he knew how to take time for prayer, to be with people, to teach his disciples. All of these things have movements in Jesus' life, and he moves through his boundaries seamlessly. And number four, live from a deep sense of God's call for your life. Let the Holy Spirit define the boundaries. We're going to leave that up on the screen just for a minute, so leave that there, Nancy. People might want to write it down. Live from a deep sense of God's call for you because the way Jesus achieves a sense of clarity about his boundaries is because they are derived from his sense of call for the work and mission that God has set him to do. That if he's not informed by the Holy Spirit, if he's not informed by God through his times of prayer, then Jesus' mission begins to get fuzzy and possibly just dissolve or evaporate. But that's not what happens in the story. It's out of this deep sense of spiritual grounding Jesus has in his calling as the Son of God, as the incarnation of God, then he's able to live a life with these boundaries in it. So these are the four that I think we can learn today. But let's be honest. That's not exactly what Jesus is talking about because these are reflective practices. You can do all of these things but you could still be very guilty of the very thing that Jesus is speaking of in this text. You could do all four and still lie and deceive, confuse, make foggy and uncertain what boundaries are. And it's for that reason Jesus offers us this teaching. Clear is kind. Clear is kind. Now, I'm not the first one to say that, but it's a phrase I want you to hold. Clear is kind. Clear is kind is important because this is exactly what Jesus advocates in Matthew 5.37. Did you hear what he said? But make sure your statement is yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil origin. So that means... There's an authenticity for us that we have to embrace. And this is a really hard word to hear from Jesus. Not only does he dispose of their entire hierarchy of making vows and promises, he invites us to a level of transparency that perhaps we've never known before. A way in which people can encounter our boundaries. 
So oftentimes, let's say on Friday, which is typically my day off, I'm not working, I'll get a message about work. So let's take a poll. How many of you in this room, if the message isn't urgent, let me tell you that, all right, the message is not urgent. How many of you in this room think I should respond to it? Oh, see, now you're all feeling guilty. I got one in the back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in the back. Excellent. Is that Jeanette or is that Jazzle? Jeanette, awesome. All right. How many of you think I should ghost them? Oh, I got a couple say, just ghost them. You know what ghosting is? That's just like not responding, like you don't exist. Okay. And how many of you think I should respond by saying, I'd love to get back to you as soon as I am back to work from my day off? Oh, more of you, right? Yeah, well, yeah, you're, you're playing to the preacher. I get you. I get you. You see what I'm getting at is that there's ways in which we have to hold time, energy, money, and commitment the way Jesus is inviting us to do so. Clear is kind. This is hard for us to do because boundaries are of little value if the people around us don't know what they are. And so what happens is the people around us, they just kind of encounter our boundaries by accident. They stumble into them like, well, I wonder why Craig didn't get back to me. He must not like me. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? There's a way in which we can embody a set of practices like Jesus that aren't cold, that aren't meant to, to hurt others, but a way in which we can be honest about the boundaries we hold. About the boundaries we hold. This is not a word about being cruel or so direct that others are wounded. It's about honoring who we are to the point of transparency. So there's no need. There's no need for us to over-promise and under-deliver. There's no need for us to under-promise and over-deliver. Let your yes, yes, and your no, no. This is a hard way to live. Because what happens if we don't live this way, then our boundaries become malleable with the person standing in front of us. We don't want them to not like us. We don't want them to think that we don't have time for them. I mean, we could go, we could parse that out all day long. Living this kind of life that Jesus is suggesting we do without oaths, with clarity about how God has called us to live our life is important. I hope you've just read through the lines that I've made about a thousand assumptions. And one of those thousand assumptions is that you have the capacity to be clear with others about anything. One of the other assumptions I would make that I've already made in the sermon already is that when you think and wonder about your time, it is informed by the movement of the Holy Spirit and God's call for your life. And that when you think and reflect about your energy, that you have prayed and reflected with the Holy Spirit about what shape that should have for your life. Oh, here it comes. And when you think about your money, are your boundaries about your money informed by how you pray and reflect in God's leading for your life? And that every single cent in your life is accounted for with God. Is that how you live life? Because if we're not grounded in God's leading in our life, in those things, and even much more over our commitments in our life, 
it becomes easy to get dodgy and hard to nail down. God has a call for us in all of those things. Time, energy, money, commitments. And when we invite the Lord into those things with us, it makes it easier for our yes to be yes, our no to be no. Sometimes we even have to have hard conversations in that space. Spaces where it's hard for us to hold to our boundaries in a way that makes sense. I love the definition that Brene Brown offers for this. She calls it a rumble when we get into those conversations. And here's what she says this looks like. A rumble is a discussion, conversation, or meeting defined by a commitment to lean into a vulnerability, to stay curious and generous, to stick with the messy middle of a problem, identification and solving, to have a break, circle back when necessary. Listen, to be fearless in owning our parts, and as psychologist Harriet Lerner teaches, to listen with the same passion with which we want to be heard. Let that last part just sit with us for a minute. I told you this three-week series is going to be hard. Today we're going to talk about boundaries, that they exist, and it's appropriate for Jesus' followers to have them. And that even when we get into the conversations with people when we may disagree, have different opinions, that we commit to being with one another in a way where our boundaries are clear to each other. Next week's going to be harder. We're going to talk about how we escape and avoid patterns of abuse and being taken advantage of and hurt by others and how we can live in a way that is life-giving, not only for them but for us, how we should never live a life of enablement for other people. In order to do that, we have to start here. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. It reminds me of a famous saying of a Jedi master. <laughs> do not try. Do or do not. It's a quote by Yoda, by the way. It's hard work, friends. And we're all in it together. Because if we're going to be open about our, trans, our boundaries with one another, it's going to require us to be vulnerable. Loving of each other so deeply that you trust me, I trust you, we trust each other, and we can be in that kind of space where we can truly be known by each other rather than just skipping across the surface of human existence. This is what we're called to. This is what makes us different in the workplace, in the world, in the grocery store, everywhere we go. This is what makes us unique in that we're never trying to hide what God has called us to do with the precious resources of our life. Let's pray together. Lord, we give you thanks for clarity about our boundaries. Jesus, Jesus was so encouraging 
encouraging of us to be honest, to be truthful, to be clear, to live lives where our, our edges are informed by your Holy Spirit. That yes, God, we're called to pour out our lives in sacrificial love as you have done for us. We thank you, God, for sustaining us by the power of your Holy Spirit for that work. But that work can only be done if we know our edges and we know, God, where you're moving and working within us in our time, in our energy, in our money, and in our commitments. So this morning, God, we give them to you and pray that you would show us how we might live anew and afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.